Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is a special Roma edition. And before I even talk anymore, I just want to say that's where I normally... That's the snippet of the song that I normally play at the beginning of the podcast. I'm sure you recognize it. I'm just going to continue the song. Pick up exactly from that point. So this is what you've been missing all these years. This is Bright Side of the Sun. The band is called Basin and Range. Here we go.
See what see what you've been missing all this time? Incredible stuff, huh? That you know, I, I play that beginning part and it kind of feels like I'm like there's this amazing trip that that song takes you on. It gets so weird and intense. It's it's like you're going on a fucking you're going in orbit or something and and I just cut right after you get out of the car in the parking lot and you don't know about all that orbit. All that flying around in space. Anyway, that's Bright Side of the Sun. Check it out. Uh, Basin and Range Band. What the fuck is it? It's uh, oh, Sorry, I got a paper stuck to the wall there. Uh, Basin and Range dot bandcamp dot com. That's where you can find more of their music. All right, so this is Aroma episode. Uh, long time coming. I'm sorry, I've been busy doing all this shit, trying to wrap up Civilized to Death. I know you've heard me say that before, but I really got to get that done. Got to get it behind me. I got so many other things, you know, for a couple of years now. Everything I do, it's like hanging over me. Like, oh, I really should be working on the book. I should be doing something else. I'm tired of thinking that way. And I think the time, you know, I got to get the book out before fucking world ends, you know, so... No, that's a deadline. Uh, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this Roma episode, um, about half of it, and I'm going to cut that, and that I'm going to post on the regular Tangentially Speaking feed so that everybody who wants to download it can download it. And then I'm going to continue with a second half and I and then I will play music in that and answer emails and do all that kind of stuff. And then that entire thing I will post on the Patreon uh, server. So if you're a Patreon subscriber and you got the RSS feed or you're, you got the MP3 through Patreon, you're going to hear the whole thing. If you're not a Patreon supporter, you're going to hear the first half. Uh because I can't, I don't want to mess around with music, even though I like that one, I have the copyright permission and all that. Some of the other ones, the artists are dead and, you know, it'd take me forever to find their managers and all that. Um, so I just do that on Patreon. All right. So anyway, uh, that's out of the way. Let's explain some things. First of all, a friend of mine, a guy named Jonathan Rutt, he's up in Montana. I might, I'm sure I talked about him on the podcast he uh, listens to this, and uh, last year when I was traveling up there, he dropped me an email saying, uh, hey, uh, my wife and I live near the western entrance to Glacier. If you happen to be coming through, um, yeah, you can crash in our driveway and use our shower and washing machine and all that. And uh, at the time, I really needed a shower, so I said, hell yeah, let's check this guy out. We went uh, ended up floating down a beautiful river in Montana with him and his wife and his buddy Connor. Um, Jillian was his wife and uh, met their kids. And anyway, really nice people. We ended up staying there, I don't know, three or four days or something. Really enjoyed hanging out with them. And I just noticed that on uh, Instagram, it looks like uh, they have bought a place up there and they're renting it out Airbnb. So he hasn't asked me to do this. He doesn't know I'm doing this, but it looks like a beautiful place. And I can certainly tell you that they're really beautiful people and it's an amazing part of the country. So if you're going to Glacier this summer and you're looking for a place, 
I would get in touch with him. His uh, handle on Instagram is at Jonathan Rutt, R-U-T-T. That's it. Check him out. Okay, there's a little post-it note that I don't need to worry about anymore. Uh, What's the other thing? Oh, okay, so I don't do advertisements on the podcast, as you know, other than advertising, the idea of non-advertising. But sometimes I've come across a product or something that I really like and I feel like why not tell you it's I don't give a shit about the company but it's I thought fuck so I have a page on my website uh I think it's under the Chris tab and then there's like things I own or something like that and it's just stuff because people kept writing to me and saying what mic do you use for the podcast what do you do you know what blah 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 mostly it was podcast stuff but then there were some other things so one night I was wasting time and I thought, I'll just throw some shit up here that that I really like. And so I made a little page and then there's an Amazon link. So if you use the link, I get, you know, the percentage or whatever. Um, And it's like a vacuum cleaner and a mattress and this microphone and uh, I don't know, some other shit I I bought. This was a couple of years ago I did this. Anyway, so I just put something new up there. It's called One Blade, and it's I think it's Philips makes it or Norelco. Maybe it's the same company. I don't know. Anyway, it's called One Blade. Shaving has been an issue for me my whole life. I don't like scraping a very sharp knife across my skin. I just it I just don't dig it. I don't think most people dig it. Um, I don't have a particularly. Uh, you know, hirsute beard situation. Um, So it's not like I have to shave every day. And also the fact that I am not a respectable member of society. I don't get up and go to work, so I don't have to shave. I shave throughout my life. I've, I've shaved like on average once a week, once every 10 days, something like that, when it starts getting really kind of ridiculous. And I shave in the shower which means that I often miss patches. And then when I get out of the shower, I the, the mirror's all fogged up so I don't see it. And then I'll like go out and there will be like a 10-day growth of beard patch on my neck that I didn't notice. And um, I scare children and things with that. So all this is to say that my relationship with shaving has been problematic. And um, so I found this thing recently. It's this one blade and it's like those clippers that the barber uses sometimes that you it just runs right along your skin but it's not shaving it's just a little bit above the skin and it's it's great and you just sort of run it along and it's just and it just buzzes off all that stuff you can use it dry you can use it in the shower you can use it with cream or, or foam or whatever um it seems to have solved the the shaving problem. It it's amazing, and uh, you know I'm sure it's it's great for shaving your junk if you're doing manscaping or womanscaping or or non non gender conformative scaping. It's pretty great. Now the only downside that I've seen on I read a couple of reviews online. The downside is that if you Use it every day and you have a heavy beard. You have to replace the blades pretty often and that can get expensive. Um, but I've had the thing for three months now. I've probably used it 10 times and I don't have to replace the blade yet. And uh, 
you know, but again, like I said, I shave once a week. So anyway, check it out. If you're looking for something like that, it may be helpful to you. <laughs> I don't know if that's, if I'm doing a service for you or if I'm just, if that's just stupid. Uh, okay. What else? Um, I've been getting some of these MP3 intros. Thank you for that. The, I've gotten uh, three or four of them. They, they are all great. I'm going to play them all. I, I hope, um, keep those coming in. What else? Uh, people ask me to talk about various things, uh, in this sort of thematic section, one of the things people have been asking for me to weigh in on is this recent um, situation between Sam Harris and Ezra Klein, which I mentioned on Joe Rogan's podcast a couple weeks ago. And um, so essentially, for those of you who aren't familiar with the situation, Sam had a guy named Charles Murray on his podcast. Charles Murray is most famous for a book he wrote called The Bell Curve 20, 25 years ago, maybe more, something like that. But um, it was very controversial because essentially the book argued that uh, intelligence... Uh, as measured by IQ, is um, largely hereditary, and it varies by race. And the conclusion was that Asians have the highest IQs on average, whites next, and then blacks have the lower IQ on average. And Charles Murray is a, sort of a right-wing think tank guy, uh, policy promoter in Washington, D.C. Uh, and so, of course, there was a lot of controversy about that because the policy implications, which Charles Murray is very uh, acknowledges and, and is explicit that this is what he believes, is that it's not really worth investing in trying to change something that's just uh, genetic. It's built into the genetic code. So what's the point in spending lots of money on Head Start program, for example, in inner city areas where there tend to be a lot of black kids, if all that money and those teachers and the you know all the, the investment financially is not going to have an effect on making those kids any smarter. And uh, the secondary consideration is that the high IQ seems to correlate with success in life and therefore the way you're going to create successful people is to increase their IQ. And if you can't increase their IQ, then fuck it. What's the point? Uh, now... Obviously, this is very controversial. It it touches on affirmative action. It touches on the whole point of education, I think, in a way. Uh, and, you know, so he was he gave a talk or was scheduled to give a talk at, I think, Bennington College in New Hampshire, Vermont, somewhere up there. Uh, and he got shouted down and it got crazy. People were screaming. And, and so it be, he became sort of a cause celebre of the of the, I don't even know whether they're left or right or who they are at this point, but people like him and Jordan Peterson and Joe to some extent recently have been making a big deal of uh, political correctness and, and shutting down debate. And I've done it as well. I'm, I'm, 
on on board with that, uh, with opposing that, I should say. Um, but you know, when Sam had Charles Murray on his podcast, he knew he was stepping into this debate, this controversy. And so he said something about how uh, 50 to 80% of intelligence is clearly, this is Sam talking, is clearly um, attributable to genetics and uh, it's highly heritable and uh, that this is well demonstrated in the science and so on and so forth. Anyway, turned into um, this very predictable controversy because on the one side you have Ezra Klein and other people saying you're not taking into consideration history and context and cultural influences that have, you know, hundreds of years of slavery and degradation and families being broken apart and, and poverty, which is disproportionately affects uh, racial minorities in the United States, uh, policing, programs, the stress of living in the inner city, all these things. And meanwhile, on the other side, Sam Harris is saying, it's just science. It's just science. Those things are all separate. We shouldn't have to talk about the science in relation to those things. Genetics exists separate from those things. Okay, so that's my attempt to uh, set up the two sides of the debate. And I may, uh, I noticed that a lot of people have thought that I uh, misrepresented Sam's position, but that clearly is what Sam argued. And, or, you know, I've read transcripts and all that. Uh, now, the where I come down on this is, you know, if, if I ever do a course, I, sometimes I think about doing an online course about, um, bullshit detection and the first lesson would be question the premise because because the easiest way to to trap you in uh, a position that can't be defended is when the other person defines what it is you need to defend so I think that the the premises here are that we're talking about intelligence and we're using IQ as a measure of intelligence. But what is intelligence? Is is intelligence knowing lots of synonyms, having a big vocabulary? Is it uh, the ability to detect subtle differences in tones? Is it um, having a deeper connection to the sensory world because your sense of smell is, is much higher? Is it rhythmic um, consciousness? Is it perfect pitch? Is it pattern recognition in the visual world? Is it geometry? What is intelligence? And the problem is that these guys are are talking about it as if they know what it is. When really all they're talking about is IQ tests. And IQ tests change over life. 
They change based upon how fucking awake you are and, you know, how much caffeine you've had probably. Um, in any case, even if IQ tests are highly reliable and, and consistent and so on, which I don't believe they are, but even if they are, what's it measuring? It's not measuring intelligence. It may be measuring a slice of intelligence. It may be measuring one expression of intelligence, but it's not measuring intelligence. And until we have a comprehensive definition of what intelligence is, this is a nonsense conversation. And, you know, as I said, Sam certainly knew that this was going to happen. And he sort of misplayed it and ended up looking pretty bad. Even he admitted that he'd misplayed the whole thing and it backfired on him because, you know, he released the email exchange that he had had in private with Ezra Klein without Ezra Klein's consent, which is a pretty uncool thing to do, I would say. Um, and uh, and in that email exchange, Sam looked kind of petulant and, and defensive and touchy and, you know, easily offended. And Ezra, most people seem to agree, looked pretty chill and friendly and, and patient. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, I don't give a shit. I don't know either of these guys. I, I don't have a a vested interest in defending anyone or, or tearing anyone down. It's not about the personalities other than to say that, um, you know, these nonsense conflicts are really good for attracting attention and holding attention and podcasters and writers and magazine editors are in the business of attention right we we live or die by how much attention we can get and hold that's what the advertisers pay for that's you know that's what you're leveraging when you're reaching out to the public like this so a smart way to increase the amount of attention you get is to engage in disputes and you know get stage fights and uh I kind of feel like that's what this is. That's what a lot of things are these days in in media, especially in the sort of, well, in mainstream and alternative media. Uh, it's all about the spectacle. And, you know, sometimes people say to me, why don't you get so-and-so on your podcast? Why? How come, you know, it's great you have all these people you agree with, but why don't you get people that, that you don't like and you do, you, you know, you know put your have a fight why don't you have you know brett weinstein who dissed your book or something on your podcast and the thing is like i'd be happy to have someone on the podcast who disagrees with the book but somebody who's like accusing me of cherry picking and and not under being stupid or or you know writing a book to so i could get laid and dumbass shit like that why i'm not gonna why would i want to have them on the podcast. I don't want to. I don't want to be in that space, much less drag you into it. Um, I understand it would increase audience, it would attract attention to do that kind of thing. But yeah, I don't. I, I don't. I don't give a shit. I don't want to do that. 
Um, you know, I want life to be happy and good and life throws enough shit at you. You don't need to, you don't need to, to ask for it. Um, and and that's kind of how I feel about it. Like I'd rather have people on that I'm learning from that, that, that I respect, that respect me. If somebody's already sort of been clear that they don't respect me and they think, you know, that I've got bad motives or whatever, fucking, I don't have time for that. Um, so I think this whole argument about intelligence and, you know, define the fucking terms. What is intelligence? First of all. Um, and then I think if you define those terms broadly enough, which is the only accurate way to define something as nebulous as intelligence, then you'll find, okay, yeah, some particular skill sets, um, probably do have some correlation to genetics, but again, have we defined race? We we haven't defined intelligence accurately. I don't think we've defined race accurately. Am I white? I don't know. I'm Irish. A hundred years ago or two hundred years ago, the Irish were not considered white. Are Jews white? I don't know. What about Puerto Ricans? Are they white? Oh, they're Hispanic. Okay, what the fuck does that mean? Hispanic. So Mexicans, Puerto Ricans, Cubans, and what galicians they're they're all hispanic like well, what the fuck does that even mean blacks okay oh blacks they're from africa okay what about papua new guinea are they black what about people from sri lanka who are darker than most of the black people i know in the united states what about uh, australian aboriginal people are they black we we throw these things around like we know what we're talking about and we have no fucking clue so I think this whole sort of discussion is a circus act to attract attention. Now, there's a long tradition of this, of not, not just the circus act thing, but of using science, in quotes, to justify social policies that are fucking horrible. And I've been writing about this in in Civilized to Death, talking about Malthus. Malthus was the first economist. He was the first person who was ever paid to to think and write and teach economics. And uh, Malthus came up with this idea. The story is kind of interesting, actually. His father, Malthus's father, was very progressive. His name was William Godwin. Um. Oh no, William God Godwin was a close friend of Malthus's father. That's right. Uh, here I'll just read a little bit from the the transcript, uh, or not the the uh, manuscript of Civilized to Death. Um, largely as a challenge to what he considered to be the naively utopian views of his father's friend, the thirty-two-year-old Malthus published an essay on the principle of population in seventeen ninety-eight where he argued that there is no point in helping the poor because if wealth were more equally distributed and everyone had enough to eat, population would increase geometrically as two parents give birth to four children who would have eight and then 16 and so on, while food supply could only grow arithmetically 
as new land is placed under cultivation, since population would therefore always grow far more quickly than resources, scarcity and starvation are simply unavoidable aspects of life. From these seemingly irrefutable calculations came the brutal Malthusian dogma that chronic overpopulation and therefore crushing poverty will always be and have always been the inescapable fate of human beings. Quote, the poverty and misery which prevail among the lower classes of society, Malthus wrote, are absolutely irredeemable. So this tradition of using what appears to be irrefutable scientific uh, calculation to justify social policies that um, ignore the plight of the underprivileged has a long tradition going back at least to 1798. And I think that uh, Charles Murray is part of that tradition. People have also asked me to weigh in on Jordan Peterson and my thoughts about Jordan Peterson. Uh, I haven't done that because, like so many things, I don't really know enough to have a clear opinion one way or the other. He seems like a smart guy, seems to have some interesting things to say. Um, a lot of what he says I disagree with. I think he's kind of... Um, his understanding of prehistory, for example, is mired in conventional nonsense about what I'm calling the neo-Hobbesian narrative, this idea that life before the state was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, in short. He seems to buy that. He doesn't uh, appear to know that there's a vast literature disputing that and uh, that this is sort of a uh, how can I say it? It's a um, lingering misconception that lingers because it serves a political function. Um, you know, just like the, the Malthusian thing. Uh, people still believe that, even though, as I demonstrated in the book, and I also mentioned in Sex at Dawn, Malthus, his calculations were off by a factor of 10,000 he was so totally wrong about how quickly population grows in, in or grew in prehistoric, pre-agricultural times, that his understanding of human global population was was couldn't have been more wrong. In fact, global population uh, density was very low until the advent of agriculture when people started having far more children um, for various reasons, which I get into in the book. That's when overpopulation became an issue. Uh, it wasn't really an issue at all in hunter-gatherer societies. And uh, anyway, so I, my sense is that uh, Jordan Peterson is, is stuck uh, with some inaccurate assumptions about human nature and um, hunter-gatherer societies because he doesn't know the literature very well. Uh, I think his 
feelings about polyamory. Somebody sent me a short video where he talks about how terrible polyamory is. I think that's kind of ridiculous and, and he doesn't even know what he's talking about there. Um, but you know, we all do that. We all, people are asking opinions on things and you know, who the fuck, who has time to really educate themselves on everything. I think the general thrust of what he's saying, as far as I can tell, uh, in terms of taking responsibility and growing up and getting real and, and offering some sort of tough love guidance to young men, I think that's, that's good. I think that's, uh, needed, I think there's clearly a hunger for for mentorship among young men. And I don't know if that's because uh, nuclear family breakdown, if it's uh, that things like the military and sports teams and, and other sort of conventional male rites of passage uh, have lost credibility. Um and religion, uh, which which offered some sort of structure to to uh, approaching maturity and and to seeing oneself in the world, all these things seem to have fallen apart recently. And I, so I think that there is a lot of hunger among young people to get some guidance from older people, and it seems that he is fulfilling that role. And uh, yeah, I think, as I said, the general thrust seems to make sense to me. I haven't read his books. I haven't listened to more than a couple hours uh, of him talking, mainly on Joe's podcast, I guess. Um, so I'm certainly no expert, but um, yeah, he seems interesting. And who knows? I mean, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see, to see how he handles the kind of attention he's getting now. Uh, he's sort of skyrocketed from a, you know, a guy who was on the Rogan podcast every once in a while to worldwide bestseller, you know, guru, loved, hate, loved and hated, and all that. So um, hopefully that won't blow blow his mind. Speaking of podcasts, I've been meaning to talk about podcasts. People often write to me and ask what podcasts I listen to. And honestly, I don't have a chance to listen to a lot of podcasts because, you know, when I'm working, I'm writing and I can't listen to people talk um, when I'm writing or editing or or reading. So uh, there goes most of my day. And uh, I don't commute, so I don't spend a lot of time in cars. And even when I go on a road trip, uh, often I just prefer to listen to music or, you know, converse with the person I'm with or just, uh, silence. So I don't listen to very many podcasts, but, uh, uh, the ones I do listen to are the Kyle Tierman show. Kyle's been on the show a few times. Uh, you know who he is. He's a big wave surfer and so much more. He's become a good friend. And, um, but even if you weren't my friend, I would listen to his podcast cause he is just a really fucking smart dude. Uh, he's young. I, don't, I forget how old he is within a couple of years of 30, one way or the other. I can't, remember. I think maybe he's 28. Um, but he's, he's really smart and, uh, sincere and he asks good questions. His podcast tends to be, um, either, 
surfers or environmentalists or he's had Jim Fadiman on. Uh, actually, he introduced me to Jim Fadiman, the LSD microdosing guy. Um, he's 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 interested in talking to intelligent people and he he can keep up with them. He asks them really good questions and, and um, you know, he's like a, an earnest, sincere young guy. So uh, I think he's an interesting character because he can kind of be a conduit to that um, mentorship that I was talking about earlier. Um, you know, he's sort of a representative for the young people who are trying to figure stuff out. Uh, not to say that Kyle doesn't have a lot figured out already, but he's, uh, he's, he's asking all the right questions, which is the most important thing you can do, uh, when you're in your twenties, I think. Um, what else? I listen to Rogan sometimes, of course, and Duncan Trussell, my old buddy and, um, mixed mental arts is great. I've been on there a couple times. I really like, uh, Hunter and Brian and, uh, the sort of intelligence that they bring. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell has an excellent podcast called Revisionist History, I think. I think I've listened to every episode of that. It's it's not a conversational thing. It's more of a prepared um, podcast, but it's very well done. It, it looks back at um, things that happened that we sort of know happened or, or, you know, that he's going back and re-examining something. Um, there is a really good one on creativity. He's looking at the, uh, what's that song? Hallelujah. Yeah, I think that's the name of the episode, Hallelujah. It's just about how the process of creating a song and, and it, you know, how it can be really bad and then different people do cover versions of it and the sort of the winding path that a, that a piece of art can take to before it, really arrives um anyway revisionist history by malcolm gladwell is excellent uh what else i'm looking at the list here what have i listened to recently uh yeah that's probably about it Uh, i listened to to jake this uh jake johansson's podcast i like him and of course common sense with dan carlin you guys all know him doug stanhope um, yeah, so that pretty much answers that question, I think. Okay, some dumbass sent me uh, this question. He said, you use technology like computers and microphones and all that to make your podcast. So aren't you there for implicitly endorsing modernity and civilization? He thinks he's being clever with that question, see? But from my perspective, that's like saying, you breathe air, so aren't you endorsing smog? You live in America, so aren't you endorsing fucking McDonald's and political corruption and fracking? (laughs) I mean, what the fuck kind of logic is that? No. No. The fact that you live on Earth does not mean that you implicitly endorse whatever the fuck is happening on Earth. And the fact that you participate 
in the modern world does not mean that you necessarily agree with it. It means there's no fucking other option. What am I supposed to do? Go live in the woods in a lean-to and eat squirrels? Is that the only viable approach to have for someone who has doubts about modernity? Really? That's a great way to neutralize the voice of anybody who raises any questions about what the fuck is going on to say, it's not legitimate because you used a microphone to raise those questions. That's just fucking dumb. But it's worse than dumb. It's pernicious because it tries to shut down conversation by pretending to appeal to simple logic. That's not simple logic. That's like saying, well, if you're against global climate change, you know, you use airplanes. Yeah, right. We use airplanes because we live in a world where to go anywhere, you kind of have to use a fucking airplane. And you kind of have to go places to have any effect on the world so if you're not going to use any airplanes then you're not going to go to conferences and you're not going to go and do your media shit and you're not going to if george what's his name al gore didn't fly on airplanes nobody would ever fucking hear of al gore and his movie wouldn't have had any impact at all so yeah you have to participate in the world as it exists now i don't live on a yacht i don't fly around in a private jet I don't drive a Hummer. I don't have any fucking kids. That's the best thing I could do for the environment. So I figure I get a pass on the rest of that shit. All right, my throat's starting to hurt. So before I start answering emails and playing funky music and getting into other crazy shit, I'm going to say goodbye to those of you who are not Patreon supporters Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, your support that comes in other ways. Uh, But the next 45 minutes or so will be uh, only available to Patreon supporters because I just, I got to throw them something, right? I mean, even as little as a dollar a month, you get full access to all this incredible content. Just imagine, where else are you going to hear people talking about how Sam Harris and Thomas Malthus are part of the same tradition. Just imagine how much richer your life would be if you could hear the next 45 minutes of this. Oh, my. Anyway, I I hope it gets better after I drink beer. We'll see. Thanks for listening. Uh, If you're a Patreon supporter, hold on. There's more coming. After Smoke Alarm by Carsey Blanton. He said, baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you want to feel. Say what you want to say. You're going to die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm going to die one day. Why do you waste your time thinking about your reputation? Trying to meet an expectation, wondering what they're gonna say. When everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone, I don't wanna give the end away, but we're gonna.
die one day Your body is an animal Doesn't ask for much A little music and a soft touch Why don't you let it out to play Your heart is in a birdcage Singing in your chest You wanna shut it up but give it a rest You're gonna die one day about a reputation running from a confrontation wondering what we ought to say <laughs> when everyone we've ever known is headed for a headstone I don't want to give the end away but we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day we're gonna die one day Baby, what's a big deal if you wanna be free? Say what you wanna feel. Spend the night with me. I'm gonna take you up in my arms. And if we must go down, we'll go singing to the smoke alarms. We'll dance into the ground.